Good evening. Welcome back. We are here for week three of this series, which is called All Things New, much like the podcast, exactly like the podcast. Um, so if you want to subscribe to that, go ahead. But this series is not about that. It's about starting the year fresh, starting life fresh. And even though I've never been a big New Year's resolution type person, because I think we feel pressured to make these, these goals that are so above and beyond what we actually want to do just to kind of have them, uh, that they end up failing. But the beginning of a new year is a good chance to look at things as a fresh start, uh, especially after the year we've had. And I realize that 2021 has started not great either. But each day that we wake up is a chance to start again. And that's what this series is about. And so far, we've talked about having a fresh start and about how uh, God spoke through Isaiah. I'll give you wings like eagles. If you just look to me, just rely on me, trust me. And I will allow you to fly. I will allow you to soar. And it's such an amazing promise. And it's such an amazing guarantee because that's what he does. Last week, we talked about Rahab as an example of that and how she was not respected. She was a prostitute. And on top of that, she was also a woman. And neither of those things was very respected at that time. And yet God used her and her reliance on him to, to not only help Israel, to not only make a difference, to not only start fresh for her and her family, but she became a part of Jesus' line of ancestry. And that's such an amazing thing to see what God can do with anyone. Uh, and this week we're going to continue. We're going to talk about the first step. And so I'm going to start with 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 23. But before I get to that, this is David being confronted with his, his sin. Uh, I talk about David a lot because I love the story of David. I love the character of David. I, I, I love pretty much everything about him. Uh, he was such a strong man after God's own heart. And as a kid, as a young man, he did so much to lead others, to show others who, who God was and to show God's power. And after he killed Goliath, the giant that everybody else was scared of, he didn't stand there and say, look at me, I'm awesome, like King Saul may have done. He stood there and said, this was God. And then through the beginning of his reign, he continued to carry that. He continued to do that. He continued to stand up for God. But then, but then like so many, he gave in to his uh, carnal nature. He gave in to temptation. He saw Bathsheba uh, bathing on a, on a roof. And he saw her. And he didn't ask. He didn't care that she was married. He didn't care anything about her life. He didn't care anything other than the fact he started to believe his own hype, which was what Saul had done. If you remember when David was becoming king, when he was on the run, it's because Saul had changed from also someone who followed God, who led for God, to someone who believed that he was the greatest and didn't want anybody else to take that away from him. And so he hated David, not just because David was going to be next after him, but because he saw in David who he was supposed to be and who he used to be, and that killed him, literally, eventually. And so David even though he knew all of that, goes into the same situation and he sees, and I believe he asks right away, you know, is she married? And then, you know, okay, you know, that's Uriah's wife. And that's where it could have stopped and it would have been fine. And yet what he did was, nah, I don't care. He knew that he was sinning even then. He knew that he was doing the wrong thing because he's David. He's a man after God's own heart. He, he has scripture that came from God through him. And, and yet, he continued to sin because, again, he started to believe that he was above everything, above everyone, because being the king gave him more of an ego. 
And so he started to change. And so, you know, he gave in. He slept with her. He sinned. He committed adultery. And then again, he had another choice. And I, I, we're going past this to, to the moment after this, but I just wanted to set the stage. He had another choice then where he could have been like, oh, oh man, I really, really screwed up. I really, really did the wrong thing. I am a horrible example. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't believe that I have done this. Uh, please forgive me, God. Uh, I've got to go tell Uriah. I've got to go do this. Instead, he tried to trap and trick Uriah, the husband. He tried to get him to go home so that people wouldn't realize that it was David's baby Bathsheba was having. He lied. And then to top adultery, to top lying, to top everything else that he'd been guilty of so far, he essentially murdered him. Now, it wasn't his hands that did it, but he sent the order for everybody to pull back so he would die. This innocent man would die just because of David's sin. And so he kept covering it up and covering it up and covering it up. And now we're going to get to what happens when he's confronted with that. Because that is, spoiler alert, what the first step is. When you are confronted with the need to change, with the need for a fresh start, how you react. So here we go with 2 Samuel 12. One. So the Lord sent Nathan, to tell, uh, Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. Uh, he raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock, or heard, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. So basically, Nathan, uh, in the tradition that Jesus would, would carry and, and perfect, uh, told a parable. He told a story. Now, he is just telling David this story. He did not start with this is a false story. He just tells him. So David sees this as real. David hears this as real. Uh, and so Nathan going in is a prophet of God. He trusts God. He relies on God. And in this situation, we see his courage. We see that he was able to speak before the king because he has no idea how David is going to react. No idea how he's going to respond. And yet he still stands there and tells this story. Uh, the other thing that we see in this story is that God reveals what we need to do to us. In this case, he revealed through his prophet in a story. Uh, in some cases, he will reveal it to you through someone's sermon. In some cases, through maybe a conversation you have with some, someone. With, in other cases, maybe through a, a feeling you have or a prayer that you have or, or even a song or something that speaks to you. And God's like, hey, do you see that? One of the things I've spoken about, uh, and this isn't a sin, but it's something that I struggle with, it's depression. When I was really in the depths of it, the worst that I was, uh, I realized that through a TV show called Seventh Heaven. And I've told this story before, so I'm not going to go deep into that. But that was God speaking to me and showing me, hey, this, you see this. And that's what God does. And that's the promise. He will always tell us. Now, what we do from there is up to us. God could absolutely force it on us and say, hey, and slap David upside the head and be like, hey, get this right. But is he really choosing at that point? No, so God reveals to him. He always reveals himself. So, you know, be listening, be ready. Uh, next scripture, next part. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the, to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. 
before I go to what David said or Nathan said, uh, David responds here, and I think it's easy to kind of make fun of him. And I've done this before. Uh, it's easy to make fun of him and be like, man, he's so far gone. He doesn't even realize the story is actually about him. And, and what it shows us is a couple of things about David and about us. It shows that it's easy to be a hypocrite. Uh, it, it's easy to be a hypocrite because in David's case, he still recognizes the sin and he still recognizes this. And he knows what he did. He knows it was wrong even. Uh, and often, the people that you will see the most judgment from are people who struggle with what they're judging others about. Follow that. I promise that it works, other than the ending with a preposition, but artistic license. And so David is doing what so many do on social media, what so many do in relationships with others. He's like, well, I'm struggling with this, but I can't tell anybody, oh man, there's somebody who's doing this. And it's not like he actively thinks that. It's like, hey, you know, that really strikes me double. And the reason it strikes him double is not because that other person is double bad. It's because inside he still knows what he did was wrong. And so he's yelling, not just at the person who did something wrong, in this case, this, this rich man, but at himself. And it's amazing that we have the capacity to do this without recognizing it. All of us have this capacity. We can all tell someone and give them advice about anything, about their life, about relationships, about what they should do, what they shouldn't do. And we can be true and honest in that. And, you know, whether they listen or not, we're like, well, hey, I told them and I hope that they listen. And if they don't listen, it's like, man, they should have listened. I knew what was up. And then somebody can come to us with advice for almost the same situation. And it's like, I know better for my life. And this is what we do. It's, it's who we are, and we have to keep check on that. And so David shows us what that looks like. And so when we make fun of him, we're kind of making fun of ourselves for when we do this. And so David is showing that even when you're caught up in something that you shouldn't be caught up in, you can still recognize it. And this shows us, and it'll continue to show us, instead of being so focused on the other kid that's cheating, on the other kid that's doing this, on the other person that's doing something bad, Focus on what you're doing. doesn't mean to ignore what everybody else is doing, but it means the judgment starts with you. You have to see what you need to change. You have to see your fresh start. You have to step up. Jesus said, uh, don't pay any attention to the speck in someone's eye when you have a plank in your own, which basically says, hey, get yourself right. Because you are responsible for you. You're not responsible for them. And that doesn't mean don't try. It doesn't mean don't speak. It doesn't mean don't share. It doesn't mean don't invite people to church or youth or whatever else. It means be ready to steal from the speaker this morning. It means be ready. Live ready. The other thing it shows us is that David can still recognize sin. Now, again, he's being a hypocrite and he's being loud and judgmental, but he still recognizes sin, which means that God is still at work in him. It means he still has a conscience. It means he's not too far gone. And so he recognizes it. And that is a key. That is a key to recognize what is wrong. And then the bigger key, the bigger first step, again, to spoil, is recognize how to change. So we're going to what Nathan said. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man which took so much courage. You are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel, says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and his kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? 
For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking, taking Uriah's wife to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Because of what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes, and he will go to bed and then in pub- and with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. Basically, what Nathan is saying is, God knows what you did. And because you did this, because you did this privately and tried to hide it, it's all going to come out because it always comes out. It's all going to be made public and everybody's going to see this and bad things are going to happen to you. And you're going to wonder why are bad things happen to me, happening to me. And you're going to be like, oh, wait, I caused bad things to happen to other people. Now, I said during this that Nathan showed such tremendous courage. On the one hand, he's God's prophet and he knows for a fact God is with him because God's literally speaking to him and through him. And yet he also knows the history of Israel. He knows that just a few years ago, when David was telling Saul, you know, hey, this is life. And people were like, hey, you know, David's a good guy. Saul tried to kill him and he tried to kill the messenger. And so Nathan is now in that position. And so he still has respect for David, I'm sure. He knows God's spoken to him and he's, it's been revealed. But all he knows is that God will protect him. God will guide him. God will be with him. He doesn't know how David is going to respond. He doesn't know how far gone David is. And so he does this with no care for anything else, not to shame David. His goal is not to shut him down, not to get people to to hate his posts, to block him, to do whatever else. His goal is simply between him and David to say, hey, this is what you're doing. He could have had a huge audience. He could have done this on national television or whatever the, the... version of that was at the time with standing on top of the castle or something sending out messengers uh, he could have done it in a lot of different ways he could have put, been really thoughtful and been like okay I know what he did and nobody else knows and I'm so tired of people looking up to him and I'm so tired uh, of people saying how, how good he is and I'm so tired of people not agreeing with me I'm going to write this amazing post just shredding him and then I'm going to tag him in it or worse, I'm going to tag somebody that he knows so he'll see it. And I'm just going to refer to him as that king or something. That's what LeBron James does to his teammates. Side note. He could have done that. But he had God on his side. And it wasn't about making the sin public. It wasn't about shame. It wasn't about making David pay. It wasn't about Nathan being right. It was about showing David that God knew. That was Nathan's role in it. Nathan's role was not to punish him. Nathan's role was not to shame him. Nathan's role was not to change him. Nathan's role was not to save him. Nathan's role was to show him a mirror and say, this is what God is and this is what he's doing. Where are you in this? That was it. Remember that. That's key. Next verse. As soon as he heard all this, Uh, Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for this sin. Nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the word of the Lord, by doing this, your child will die, which is harsh. I get it. But David, his reply in Hebrew was actually just two words. It was, I'm not going to pronounce this right, but I have a friend who will check me on this. Hi, Joe. Hata al-Yahweh. Hata al-Yahweh. 
Two words, and it means I have sinned against the Lord. It means I've messed up bad against God. Not, oh man, whoops, my bad. Not, heh, JK. Not, you know, I know that I did some bad, but this was all because of this person, or this was because that person. This was because I was in this situation. This was because this. This was because that. Blah, blah, blah. Somebody tricked me. David got it right. He could have responded in a million different ways. He could have said, throw this guy away. Because nobody else was there. David controls how the news gets out. Could have said, yeah, okay, you don't know anything. I, it was extenuating circumstances. I do what I want. He could have defended it. He could have lied. He could have said this was somebody else's fault. He could have said all of these different things. And yet, he took that first step. The hardest step. He said, this was on me. It doesn't matter that other people were involved. They were. He took responsibility. And if you look around and you watch the news and you pay attention to politicians and leaders and celebrities and athletes and Christians on the news sometimes, that lack of responsibility is what we notice. It's always someone else's fault. It's always because of something else. It's never, I did this. Never. And yet David, Hata al Yahweh, this was me. This was me against God. And it's true. And, and he was punished by losing his, his child. And it's a horrible punishment. Now the child went to heaven. God took care of it. And, and I know that for us, it's like, wait, wait, wait. This is an innocent. It's, I was just having this conversation the other day about the difference between how we see things and how God sees things. And the difference between how we see life and death and how we see time and how God does. There is no way for us to be in God's mindset because we don't see the full picture. And so for us, we see this, that's harsh. And, you know, David felt that harshness. But for God, that baby is perfect, cared for. It's sad, but God took care of this, has it under control. And it's not that God, like, struck the baby. I want to be clear on that. He allowed the baby to die. You can argue semantics. But the truth is that God knows what He's doing. God is perfect. God is in control. God loves. And so David showed that he still has God in his heart. He took that first step. That's the first step. In your time, in your lives, there are... are <coughs> going to be times where you're confronted. Uh, maybe you sneak out, or maybe you go to a party, or maybe you cheat. You worked really hard and you just don't get math or geometry, or both kinds of math, or history or whatever else. And so you cheat, you copy off somebody. And it's not so bad, it's just one thing, and you'll study twice as hard. And maybe you get away with it. But you start to feel that. You remember that. And the next time it's a little easier and a little easier and a little easier. It'll be revealed to you. Maybe no person of authority will come to you and say, hey, you did this. Maybe your parents won't catch you, but you'll know. And God will reveal it in some way. And then what do you do for the parents and the adults? Maybe the way you treated someone else. Nobody else saw it. Maybe how you talked about someone else. Maybe something that you said or did that, that was private or secret and you know it was bad. Your kids don't know. Your friends don't know. 
Maybe your spouse doesn't even know. You'll be confronted with it in some way. Maybe not publicly. There may not be a prophet that comes and says, hey, you did this. But God will let you know. And you'll have this choice, the same choice that David had. What do you do? The first step is always, I did this. Again, the temptation for all of us is, well, I did this, but take that out. Doesn't mean that there's no extenuating circumstances ever. It doesn't mean that other people don't, don't trick people. It doesn't mean that other people don't get involved and hurt people. It doesn't mean that. It means that when we do something wrong, we have to take accountability for that. We see too much of the opposite in the world right now, or always. God will reveal it. First step, no matter what it is. This was on me. That's the fresh start. That's what it means to take that first step. That's what it means to take that fresh start. And that's the hardest part. No matter the consequences, the hardest part is admitting I was wrong. Whew. Imagine, imagine if people uh, on TV or people on Facebook or people on the news or wherever else admitted that they were wrong when they were wrong. I mean, I don't even know how that would look because it's not happening. But for us, we have to. We're called to. It's what's right. David did awful, awful things and paid a horrible price. And yet, when he was confronted, he said, I did this. He took the first step. And God forgave him. God forgave him. God forgave him of murder, of adultery, of lying, of covering up. And that's not to say, hey, go do whatever you want and then ask for forgiveness and that's good. God will forgive you if your heart is in it. But the more you, quote unquote, do whatever you want, the more your heart's not in it. And eventually you ignore when people confront you or when God confronts you. Eventually, like the Pharaoh, your heart's just so hardened to everything. It doesn't matter. Because we saw an example of that just previously. Like I said, King Saul. King Saul, kind of the same situation as David. He did bad things and he was confronted. He did the opposite. He didn't say, oh man, I sinned against God. He said, this was David's fault. This was my son's fault. This was Israel's fault. This was God's fault. David's son, Solomon, the wisest person ever. I love and hate the story of Solomon because I love that he was so wise and in tune with God that when he was able to ask for anything, he asked for wisdom. And he ruled well. But then at the end of his life, he was smelling himself. He's like, I do what I want. And God confronted him. He's like, Solomon, you're going down a bad path. Solomon had seen or heard from his father what had happened. He knew the history of Israel. He was wise. And unlike his dad, he's like, I do what I want. The first step, the hardest step, admitting, admitting that you were wrong. Next verse. After Nathan returned to his home, uh, the Lord sent a deadly illness to the child of David and Uriah's wife, uh, Bathsheba. David begged God to spare the child. He went without food and lay, night, lay all night on the bare ground. The elders of the household pleaded with him to get up and eat with them, but he refused. Then on the seventh day, the child died. David's advisors were afraid to tell him. He wouldn't listen to reason while the child was ill. They said, what drastic thing will we do when we tell him that the child is dead? When David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. Is the child dead? He asked. 
Yes, they replied, he is dead. So again, David mourned this. David accepted that he was wrong. And after Nathan's like, hey, this is what's going to happen. David let Nathan go. He's like, this was on me. But he still prayed for the life of the child, for the innocent. He still prayed. He still mourned. He was still caring. He was grieving not just what was going to happen, but he was grieving what he'd done because he finally let himself feel that he'd messed up. It's okay to feel bad. It's okay to feel guilty. It's okay to feel shame. But as we're going to see with David in just a couple seconds, you have to keep moving forward with that. You have to use that for a purpose. You have to be like, okay, these are the consequences. You also have to recognize there are consequences. Because it is absolutely true, no matter what you do, no matter what you do, if you truly ask for forgiveness, God will forgive you. But there will still be consequences in some way. I'm going to take an extreme example. Let's say that uh, Matt, who is helping tonight, Let's say that he is on his way home and he stops at Walmart to buy something nice for me. I don't know why, but he's nice. And, you know, while he's in there, somebody cuts, him, cuts in front of him in line. And so Matt follows him out and kills him. That's bad. Automatic sin, right? And so he goes home and he's like, oh, man, I really sinned. I'm sorry, God. And he's true. He's serious about it. God will forgive him. The police aren't going to. The family of that person that he killed is not going to right away. Now, eventually, hopefully, but again, he'll still go to jail. He'll still pay the penalty. There will still be consequences, but God will forgive him. And that's what this shows us. That's what this story shows us. God will always forgive if we ask. But it's still not a free green light to go and do whatever we want because people exist and consequences and laws exist. And David shows us you're going to feel bad sometimes. You're going to hurt. You're going to lose. And then we see how he responded after that. Uh, then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshipped the Lord. After that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. His advisors were amazed. We don't understand you, they told him. While the child was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you have stopped your mourning and are eating again. David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive, for I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. It is amazing, amazing to see the maturity in what David does here. We see immaturity in him as he sins, as he sins and covers it with sin and covers it with sin. And we see immaturity when he hypocritically judges somebody in a story that's actually him. And then when, when Nathan confronts him and he says, this was on me, and he pays the price, he takes that first step and says, this was on me. And then he deals with the consequences little by little. He's like, this, this sucks. This hurts. This, you know, this is awful. I did this. And he blames himself. But then when the consequences happen, in this case, the death of his child, he moves forward. It doesn't mean that he didn't care. It doesn't mean that it doesn't affect him in some ways. It means that he understands that once you pay the consequences, you let that go and you learn from it. Once you've been caught, once you've admitted, once you've been punished, you're going to feel it for a while. But use it, not to hold you back, but to propel you forward. And that's what David does. Because he's a man after God's own heart. He did one of the most some of the most horrible things anybody has ever done. And yet, when he paid the consequences, severe, severe consequences, when God confronted him, 
He said, it happened. I was wrong. I was very wrong. This was on me. I caused this, but now I have to move forward. I have to lead people. I have to show people who God is. He wasn't angry. He probably still was angry at himself some, but he understood. He did something wrong. He paid the consequences, and then he moved forward. And while he moved forward, and he was the king, so it's a little bit different than it would be for us. While he was moving forward, there were probably people talking about him. Like, did you hear what David did? Did you hear this was his fault? People are going to talk about you. When you are confronted, when you decide it's time to take a fresh start, when you decide it's time to take that first step, it would be wonderful to say everybody's going to clap. And they're going to say, good job, that's awesome. But I've known lots of people who have taken that step, who have taken huge steps. And people just throw their past in their face because that's what people want to do. But we can't let that stop us. We have to keep moving forward. We have to understand that when we face consequences for something we've done, it's not God saying that we're worthless. It's God saying, hey, learn from this. This is what happens. Grow, I forgive you, grow, go show other people, go tell other people so that they won't make the same mistakes you did. That's why we're here, to help each other, to lift each other up. This world is devastating many times. It's so hard to deal with all the things that we have to deal with. Your generation and parents, adults, everybody else, I know that it feels bad for us. Your generation has tough teens. Everything you do, everything you say, everything that's ever happened is online, basically. I have a phone full of pictures of Beatrice, and she's not even two yet. It's all recorded, and so we're always faced with it. You're always going to look back and be like, oh man, I said that, I did that. It sucks. And when you mess up, there's so many different formats for people to say, look, look, look. And it hurts, and it will hurt. But God will be there in that. Take that first step. Admit when you mess up. No matter how old you are, admit when you mess up. Admit when you've done wrong. Don't blame other people. Admit your own fault. Ask for forgiveness, accept what happens, and then move forward. That's what it means to have a fresh start. That's what it means to make all things new. I hope that we don't face what David faced in any of these ways. But we're going to screw up. Again, that's not to say, hey, go do whatever you want. It's to say, we're going to mess up. When you do, admit it. Hard. But the first step, admit it. God will forgive you. He will. And no matter what consequences you face, allow them to help you grow. Learn from them. Move forward and then help others to do the same because that's key. Help others to do the same because it's not just about us. It's not just about David. It's about showing people the way, the truth and the life that is Jesus every single day. That's all I got.